Hey guys, welcome to the special Satisfied series with the Real Life Podcast. I'm so thrilled you are here. For this special eight-week series, I've gotten to interview my dearest friends who I look up to, I've learned so much from, and I do life with, and we talk about all the things, all the real-life things of how to become satisfied women in different roles and areas that we live in every day. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy this next episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast. For this special Satisfied series today, I am so excited to have a good friend of mine on, Sarah Haggerty. She has been, we've actually known each other for a while. I remember when I, when Kinsley was a baby, I had read your first book, um, I Think Every Bitter Thing is Sweet, right? Okay. And I remember just being like, oh, I just so resonated with it. And I loved your heart behind it. And then we went to Florida to speak at a Young Life conference. (laughs) Yes. And you were on the list as a breakout speaker. And I just told Jeff, I don't usually, I'm not like a fangirl. Or if I am, I like keep it real under wraps. But I was like, babe, I have to go see Sarah Haggerty speak. Like, I just, I want to see her in person. I want to hear what she has to say. So Um, I remember he had a breakout around the same time. So I woke up Kinsley early from her morning. We walked over there in the stroller and I just remember hearing you and I was like, oh, and then we got to hang out that night. Um, So we've gotten to hang out a few times with you and your husband and you've just been such an encouragement in my life. Um, And I asked you to be on the, this series for this satisfied, because when I think of women who are satisfied in the Lord, you are at the top of the list of women I think of. And I remember from that book, what I loved so much that I still remember to this day, is I remember it was the wrestle and the longing unfulfilled and how you would carry your Bible throughout, everywhere you went in your house throughout the day, you would have it on your laundry pile, in the kitchen table, and you would just read it and pray through it and adore the Lord in those everyday moments. And when I think of someone who's satisfied in the Lord, I think of you and I think of, oh, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to just carry your word around my every day and just like um, live off of your words of truth. So I just love your heart. I look up to you in so many ways and I'm so thankful and excited for you to be on today and for listeners to be able to hear from you and all that you just is the well of your heart and what pours out. So thank you for being on today, Sarah. Oh, it's a treat. I have now recording this. I've already read your book and I loved it. Oh, thank you. I wanted to talk around that concept. Mm-hmm. So, hey, for those that maybe aren't as familiar with you, can you just introduce yourself, where you guys live, what you do, how many kids you have, um, all that stuff? We live in Kansas City, Missouri. We live in the middle of America. And we, uh, I am at home with my kids. I'm also a writer. I always say that I moonlight as a writer because most of my day in my life is my kids. With seven kids, my oldest is 17 and my youngest is one. So so I I write kind of in the in-between moments. And my husband has a business. Uh, I'm actually at his office right now. Nobody else is here and hopefully there will be no interruptions. Um, but we, we, most of our life with seven kids is family and that's, and then the extra is the, the itty bitty margins on the side for me is writing. Mm-hmm. 
And I love that so much. Um, I love that your family and you and your husband are so amazing. So, hey, let's just jump right into it. The, um, the topic I wanted to talk about today is how to be satisfied when we're face-to-face with our weaknesses and our limitations. And mm-hmm. I wrote about this in the book, um, and I feel like it's something that I really struggle and wrestle with a lot, just being so aware of the weaknesses I have. I feel like the Lord really took me on a journey the last three years of um, working through those weaknesses and also like fighting the lies that come with those. Mm-hmm. And and then also just being aware and embracing the limitations that I have and not running away from them. And I still am fighting for that even now. But um, And I know that we've talked a little bit about that, of how um, you're like, oh, I could talk about that any day. Like this is something that I live and breathe. And so um, let's just jump right into it. And the first question I have is, when were you first aware, if this is a, this kind of a crazy question, but when were you first aware of your limitations? Yeah, I, um, that's a really good question. Cause I think sometimes we get so, at least me, I got so used to kind of circumventing my limitations and just overcoming them, like figuring out hacks to like get past being limited that I think I was limited long before I actually was aware mm-hmm. of. I would say in my 20s, I, my husband and I met in ministry and we went into full-time ministry with Young Life together and thought that we'd be in Young Life forever. And we just like, in, in some ways we were like ministry machines. Like we had a heart for evangelism, but um, we, and, and we both are visionaries. Like we just have big vision and ideals for our life. And it was about early to mid twenties where I was like, the treadmill keeps getting turned up and I cannot keep running. I I just remember feeling very dry spiritually. Like when I was honest, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm telling people about Jesus. And yet when I'm alone, I'm like, do I even really know him? And it was like the, the pace of life that we were living. I could not keep up and still save my soul, still feel in love with God. So that was the first time. How did you work through that? Because I know many listeners right now are like in full-time ministry or they're feeling the same thing of like, oh, this is my life and this is what I'm called to and this is what we're doing. But inside my heart just feels dry. Yeah, I think our hearts tell a story. I mean, I think our hearts and our emotions, we can't be led by them. We can't have them dictate our life. But the tiredness and the emotions for me, now I'm learning much later, are like indicators to pay attention to. It's not Mm -hmm. something I pushed through them for so long. Just keep pushing harder, keep pushing harder. And it was finally like, I'm going to collapse if I keep pushing harder. So for me, I don't think that this is the answer for everyone. But honestly, we we knew it was a time to step away from full-time ministry. I don't think the answer is step away from the thing that you're doing that's causing you to work, try and work harder beyond your limitations. But I just worked at a little French and Italian boutique, pottery boutique, mm-hmm. and started to realize, oh my word, I have had so much of my identity wrapped up in what I do so much so that when I like let myself lean into the limitations, I kind of don't even know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know how God sees me. And it was, it was like a unnerving time for sure. Working. I mean, I remember working at this little boutique and having like Nate's college friends, wives come in and they're making lives of themselves in ministry and in business. And I'm like, oh my word, I have this like little part-time job and I'm like selling, you know, French hens, French guinea hens. <laughs> <laughs> like real hens? Well, like no. chickens? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
That actually would have been a little more exciting if it were real. Porcelain guinea hens. Okay, got it. $250, $150 porcelain guinea hens, you know? Like, and tablecloths and linens. and, And, but that was actually really good for me to start to ask the question, like, God, how do you see me when I'm producing nothing for you? Like essentially mm. our limitations make us come face to face with like why we want to push past them. Mm. And I started to go, I've been pushing past these limitations for so long because I'm really scared to ask the question, God, what do you think of me when I'm not producing for you? What do you think of me when I'm like a C minus student? Mm-hmm. And what did he tell you? <laughs> You know, that time, it's funny, I, we, I even have gone back and visited Charlottesville, Virginia, where I, where I was working at this little boutique, and I have so many memories. I mean, I could even tear up now thinking about so many memories of being in that store and producing. Like, I wasn't even evangelizing the people who came in. It's not even like I was doing ministry. Like, they had very few customers, and I just kind of walked the aisles of the store. I had maybe, like, five sales in a day. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I felt like, was one of the first times in my life where I started to feel his love for me. Like, Hey Sarah, Mm -hmm. when you're producing nothing for me, when you're producing, I mean, you know, in the, in my lens, when you're producing nothing for the kingdom, I love you and I delight in you and your eyes on me are all I've been looking for this whole time that you've been evangelizing the whole world around you. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really feel like I fell in love with God when I was doing nothing for him. <laughs> yeah. And then tell us more, lead us more into the story. So then, cause I know you're not selling French hens now. So, <laughs> <laughs> how, <laughs> so how did you, right now, right? So you came to this place of stepping down from ministry, realizing that the Lord is really so in love with you and loves you, whether just doing nothing, like just that your eyes are on him. So then how did, where did he lead you after that? Or how have you continued to stay in that place of, oh, I don't have to produce or perform, even though the Lord has called me out to um, do things and to step back into certain ways to serve people? I mean, after a period of time, it was a longer period of time. Um, We actually started the adoption process. So we grew our family by adoption twice with four kids. And that was a lot of output. Um, And then during that time, I started to write also. So it was like these little areas in my life that I had just sort of set aside, meaning a desire for impact, which I now have in my family and with my writing and speaking. They started to, God provided opportunities again but what I found as it relates to limitations is, man, I just keep circling the block over and over again, just in deeper ways. Like, I don't, I don't know that until even on my deathbed when I'm 85, like, I think there will still be moments where because I'm human, I recognize that I want to have superpowers. Mm. And God gave, God actually gave me that craving to overcome limitations, but my flesh wants to keep doing it through my flesh instead of going like, orienting myself his way, which is when I'm weak, you're strong. That's second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. So I feel like honestly, the story of me hitting my limitations about every five years, I have a new cycle of like, man, another kid or another season of life with my kids or another area of ministry that like my, I am finding myself wanting to produce, to push through, to feel mm-hmm. strong 
And yet, Lord, you keep letting me shore up short. You keep having me miss the mark. You keep having me feel like there's too many needs and not enough of me because it's there that I go, oh, that's right. I remember again, when I'm weak is when I really find you. Mm. I, I remember, I, so with our, we have four children that we adopted and then three biological children. And with my re- most recent pregnancy, which was a total surprise, I was 42. And two nights before I found out that I was pregnant, I mean, who it, it just was felt old, period, before even <laughs> out that I was pregnant. I remember laying in bed and just saying to Nate, like, babe, our kids have so many needs because our four biggest kids have been through significant trauma. And so I just was laying in bed going, babe, there are so many needs around me. There's not enough of me to meet them. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then two days later, I found out I was pregnant. It was like I'm drowning. It's like, here's a baby. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And it was, and the next six months of being pregnant and old and tired, it was like the Lord going, all I really wanted was your heart. Like, like the greatest power in your life happens when you fall short, like the, and actually like some of the biggest victories that we've seen in our kids happened in 2019 when I was like sleeping 12 hours a day and vomiting and (laughs) trying to homeschool my kids and finish a book that I was writing when I didn't know that I would be pregnant. And the Lord just moved. It was like, he Mm -hmm. showed tangibly when you're weak, I'm strong. Like your desire for great power and strength can happen, but it usually has to happen. We know because of his word through our weakness. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So I do want to hit on motherhood and the weaknesses and limitations, but let's just go into um, talking about weaknesses first along with limitations. Cause I think it's both. And I think sometimes they're different. Um, yeah. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about how, um, oh, I don't even know what kind of question to ask, but just how do we accept and work through and have grace for weaknesses that we face during yeah. a season every day? Um, talk a little bit about that. I think the first step is to acknowledge what we humans do with weaknesses. We try to overcome it. And, and for me, like a huge part of the process has been just paying attention to my own heart and my own ways that like on a given day when the house is a mess, and the kids are falling apart, my go-to response is to clean and to command. Mm, And and starting to pay attention, like when I feel weak in my heart, and I've even started to notice like my heart's racing. That's that's an indicator to me. God wants to talk to me here. My heart's racing Mm -hmm. and my typical response is clean and command. Mm -hmm. And so I think in some ways it's just identifying that there are even weaknesses that we haven't even acknowledged. We just keep powering through. That's the first step is acknowledging it and just paying attention to our own hearts. And I think the second step for me has been putting a little pause in there where I just sit in the weakness mm. and I acknowledge it feels, I mean, I'm the type of person that weakness feels pretty miserable. Like that's why I want to clean. That's why I want to get my kids to obey and to do the next thing. That's why I want to have a tight schedule and I want to get my task list done because I feel better that way. But instead of going like, I want to sit in this weakness because when I am sitting in my humanity, I see the tender, I have the opportunity to see the tenderness of God in a way that I don't when I've finished a day and I've been a powerhouse. Mm, It's so good. 
So for me, it's it has been. I mean, even today, today was a mess of a day with my kids. The irony of us having this conversation and me feeling like, oh, Lord, you're giving me real time reminders. Like two of my kids were unraveling today and it was like the Lord going the whole time. I'm not looking for you to get them to stop unraveling. I want you to talk to me. Just talk to me here. And I'm washing dishes and like my heart's going, oh, that's right. Like all you want is my heart right now. Like all, and just feeling that tender exchange where I'm going, I feel so weak. And I'm like letting myself be received by the God who's like, I don't delight in the strength of a horse. I don't delight in the strength of, or the size of your army. I mean, that's Psalm 33 and I'm actually looking into your heart right now and I'm going, oh, that's right. That's what I need. And I start to just come a little more alive. Mm, that Okay, so um, two questions. I'm like firing all cylinders. How do we sit in our weaknesses as people that, like for someone who's never sat in their weakness before, how do we do that? And then yeah. how do you do that in the midst of motherhood when your kids are unraveling? How do you, what does it look like practically to sit in and talk with Jesus in yeah. the midst of it? I think the first one is just to acknowledge that like the reason why so many of us have never sat in our weakness is because it feels pretty terrible at first. Right. Like we humans work really hard not to have the big, terrible feelings. And yet we look at people who have a deep intimacy with God, a deep connection with him, and we want that. So it's like this this weird, ironic connection in that I look at someone who's got this deep, intimate connection. I want what they have. But then weakness, which I think is maybe our number one invitation to getting yes. connection, when it comes, I hate it and I want to power through. Mm. I think the first thing is just acknowledging it's probably going to feel pretty terrible for a few minutes or for longer. But if you can stay there, I mean, it's like Psalm 23 played out. Though I, you know, it's interesting. Psalm 23, about two or three verses in, it switches from who God is to who he is to me. It's like, God is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me through quiet waters. He restores my soul. And then it, sw- it switches from like who he is to like, though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, it like gets real personal. Mm-hmm. That's who you are, but where I am. And I think sometimes not to be dramatic, but weakness feels like the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. You really work hard not to be weak. And so we just have to acknowledge it's going to feel pretty terrible at first, but the valley of the shadow of death also means if you can walk through it, you might find the shepherd that you've been craving your whole life. Mm-hmm. So wow. I think practically speaking with kids, it, for me, sometimes it looks like after the fact. I mean, if I have two kids unraveling, it's not like I can be like, you guys cry it out. I'm going <laughs> to, I want to do that. Sit in my bedroom, call my phone and put in my headphones. Right. A lot of times it looks like going this nap time instead of like sitting on my phone and numbing out or like eating chocolate when it's nap time because I'm like so frenzied. I'm actually, maybe I will eat chocolate and sit and go, (laughs) and go, what was that? Like taking nap time or taking nighttime and going, oh man, and almost revisiting that moment and letting yourself feel the weakness again, except this time, maybe with your Bible open going, Mm. And looking at the path, the Psalms are a great place to start because he's so tender to people in their weakness and the psalmists are super weak. And so just use their words. A lot of times I use their words when I don't have words. Mm, 
I love that so much. And I think, um, oh man, and I, sorry, there's so much that I am thinking of. Um, I totally agree with you that I think it's our weakness that is the one prerequisite of coming to Jesus. It's our burdens that we like that make us able to come to him, that we have grace because we are weak. And, um, I think in motherhood, so let's shift just a little bit in motherhood, man, that is just played out. I don't know about other moms, but every day, like just realizing every hour. Yes. Um, Literally, if I could just tell you about the morning I had, it is every hour realizing the weaknesses. And I think a couple years ago before I wrote the book, I really came to this like head on realization. I think for some reason, I always had this idea that I had to be a perfect mom in order to please the Lord in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I think as um, my kids have gotten older, (laughs) I've realized I can't control them. I can't control what they say or what happens in a day. And that brought a lot of anxiety of like, oh, I don't know what today is going to look like because it, it could be chaotic. I'm not in control of them. And really coming to a place of breaking and realizing but that's not my job. And the Lord hasn't asked me to be perfect. The Lord has just asked me to come to him and to, to be broken and weak before him, to cry out to him so that my kids can see that mommy isn't perfect. Mommy needs Jesus and a savior just as much as them. And to show them the joy that it is to walk with Jesus and to experience his grace. Um, and so I just, I think it's so important in motherhood. So what would you tell moms? Cause you, I mean, you have seven kids and four of them are adopted and you are from the, you're in the little years, but you're also in the teenage years. So you have a wide scope of, um, wisdom, I would say, what would you tell moms that are in that moment right now that are facing their weaknesses and discouraged and frustrated by their current realities? What would you encourage them with? when it comes to their weaknesses and limitations? I mean, I would say this sounds sort of poetic, but I think it's really real. Like these are the years that you fall in love with God. Mm. I think I am growing very slowly to understand that weakness is the greatest gift that God can give me. Mm. Like truly for Paul to say, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses because then Christ's power rests on me. We humans were made to, we, we crave impact. Like what you mm-hmm. want out of your motherhood and what I desire out of my motherhood is God given in some ways, but it's just the way to get there is usually down, not up. Yeah. And I, I would say like moms, when you're feeling overwhelmed, like this is actually not the time to figure out the right way to parent your kids. Not that that's a bad thing to read books on mm-hmm. parenting. Stuff like that. I love that, but it's actually the time that God has given a unique time in your life of weakness to fall in love with him again. And it feels mm-hmm. counterintuitive. I think practically speaking for me, having the word available to talk to God just for a few minutes at a time, like not 20 minutes, but three mm-hmm. during the day has been really significant. I think finding friends um, who encourage that is really big. Like finding friends who are willing to say the vulnerable stuff yeah. because they guys connect over the week and both of you are encouraging each other in the Lord in the week. I think honestly, Alyssa, your book, mm-hmm. um, I feel like is a great gift to moms right now. It's not written just for moms, but because 
you, what you do is you let people into your family room and you let people into the weakness that's there. And what we see as a woman who's actually coming out wanting more of God. And so you paint a story. We learn stories and we learn through reading stories about how you found him there. So I feel like even for me, books have been a key, like finding mentors in books who will tell me about God in my weakness. Um, because then it rewrites the story in my head that tells me I have to be strong. That story's been there for decades. It takes a long time to rewrite the story in my head that is when Sarah's strong, good things happen. When Sarah's Mm -hmm. like that holds that carrot out, like that strength is something we can attain. I, that's, that's taking me decades to dismantle that storyline in my head. And so in some ways I need new stories to replace the old Mm -hmm. stories, which are Sarah's her best when she's strong. Man, that is so powerful and good. And um, I'm just going to go off the cuff a little bit. So this is like really raw, but um, I love what you're saying because I think for so long, I thought that I had to be strong because, oh man, I don't even, I feel like I probably need counseling on that. I don't know why I believed I had to be strong, but it was almost like in order to glorify the Lord the best or to show them that like I'm really walking with him like I'm in his word like I'm strong I can fight these things and um and when I went through when we went through our miscarriage one of the greatest wounds that I had from that healing from that was the the lie or the belief that I can't do it like I'm not able I'm not capable and I think that's really when I came head on with my weakness and my limitations but it was not in a healthy way because I just had this script playing over and over in my head like I can't do it. I'm not able. And that and it went into everything. Every morning I woke up, oh, I'm not going to be able to be the mom I can be. I'm not going to when it it went to our vocation of like what the Lord was calling us to. And so um I think what you're saying here of uh, it's our weakness that draws us to the Lord. It's our weakness that is the gift of the Lord to make us come into his presence and commune with him. I think that's not shared enough. It's not talked enough about, um, even amongst Christian cultures, it's like we, we, we pull out all the strength verses instead of the like, no, Jesus. I was just reading today in Hebrews four about how Jesus is our high priest who is, um, able, he's, who is unable, wait, what was it? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that whole idea that Jesus was human, he walked on the earth, he is so familiar and acquainted with every weakness and every limitation, and yet he and so he meets us there like he is so empathetic to what we walk through and i think there i love what you said about friends because um and so let's go into that how do you battle even in really sweet relationships that the lord gives you the idea of comparison because i think sometimes that's what trap traps us is this idea that oh well this mom i'm assuming a bunch of things or or even know this mom really well and she's so strong and x y and z and i'm not and so i go into a spiral and i feel even more weak and limited how do you um how do you work through that in as a mom i mean i think there's for me it's maybe been in two different ways one is just giving space to journal and dialogue with the Lord after I have 
changes with friends because mm-hmm. I, I mean, now it's like, it's interesting because I see in the little years how I used to do that a lot. And now that I have teenagers and you see your teenagers doing different things than your friends, teenagers, and they're starting to get launched in the world. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, am I going to do this with my kids where I compare them to my mm-hmm. friends in terms of their accomplishments in life? I feel like for me, it's one of the ways out of it has been creating space to just pay attention to what goes on in my heart after I have a quick exchange with a friend where she shares something that her kid's doing or, and be able to bring that to the Lord and go, this hurts. And I feel scared about this, or I feel bad about myself. Like, I think one of the ways out is the more conversation we have with God about it. I think we just get so used to reacting like, oh, here's a point of comparison. She's got a better body than I do. Tomorrow, I'm going to start working out harder. Or here's a point of comparison. Like her home is so awesome when she does hospitality. Like I don't see a corner of mess. The next time I'm doing, having people over for dinner, we are definitely cleaning the playroom, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Right. just do that. Instead of going, when I see her house totally clean, I feel bad about myself. And then having that be the place where I talk to God. The other thing that I think on a real practical level is just be the one to go first and admit your comparison and and be vulnerable. I have found with every one of my dear friends, one of us had to go first and say, I'm really scared right now, or I feel really bad right now. Not necessarily about what that person's doing that you are comparing, because that can get awkward sometimes. But even like right now I'm really afraid about my kid's future or right now I'm really afraid that I committed to homeschooling and I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Or I feel like my kids are going to be 22 and they can't read, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> <whatever it is. laughs> but that kind of vulnerability, I feel like then you start to see that other people are going through the same thing. And honestly, I, I love Kurt Thompson talks about this in his book, soul of shame, our deep shame is often healed in the context of community mm-hmm. where we bring our deep shame to other people and we watch how they respond and receive us in the way that the Lord would. Mm-hmm. And then we get the chance to do the same for them. Yeah. It's so, yes, that is so good. And it's so true. And I think it plays out a new story that we can tell ourselves. And sometimes we need other people to tell us a different story because mm-hmm. we can't even hear the right story or the truthful side of the story. Um, okay, so limitations and weaknesses. So let's. that reminds me, I wanted to ask you another question, um, talking about weaknesses and limitations, and I don't know quite how to ask it, but um, because I think weaknesses and limitations is different than suffering. I think that's a, a different thing, but sometimes it can be similar. Like our weaknesses and our limitations can bring suffering. It can bring like discouragement and hopelessness. Um, and so I wanted to ask you how, because I know that you have friends walking through th- similar things and, um, as someone who's walked through weaknesses and limitations, how do you walk with somebody, a good friend through mm. their limitations and weaknesses? How do you, cause I think I've been thinking so much about this lately as I see friends that are walking through suffering or limitations that they're struggling with. I never, like my deepest heart, I do not want to be like, Job's friends that like don't say an encouraging word or say something that might be truthful but is not the right setting for it. Like I do not want to be that person. And I also don't want to just give up and like, oh, well, I, I don't know what to do. So mm-hmm. what would you say to someone who has friends walking through this? How do you 
come alongside them and walk through them as they struggle with weaknesses? I mean, I think of if any of us could put ourselves in the situation of like this rare vulnerable moment where we tell someone something about our life that's really hard. Like, even if it's very obvious that it's hard, like me being pregnant at 42 with my seventh child and having my big kids going through serious trauma, like Mm -hmm. recovery, everyone in my life knew that that was hard. But like when I would open up and say like, guys, I'm having a hard time like getting out of bed. Like, I don't know that I, I don't know what today's going to look like. And I feel very low when I think about facing today. So if any one of us could put ourselves in that situation and then remember the rare, the random friend who like had a bunch of Bible verses to tell us right then about how we could quickly get out of it. You know, that feeling where you're like, yes. Lord, I just gave, like, I, I actually remember a conversation years ago with someone where I was talking about a particular struggle of one of my big kids, ultimately because of trauma. And she had such a quick answer for me that was just like, well, couldn't you just do this? And then it would stop. So I think we know what not to do, right? Yeah. But we know, like, how do we, essentially, how do we sit with people in their pain? And I think sometimes it's like remembering what is, what's it, what's been the one or two people in our life who have enabled us to unfurl more so that we can open up even more to bring that to God. And it's oftentimes the people who say, say back to us what they are hearing us saying and sitting in our pain with us. And as Christians, we feel super uncomfortable with our own pain and weakness. And so when we see other people's pain and weakness, we quickly want to put it away. Like, let's give them the Bible verse, move them on because it feels so uncomfortable when in reality people feel when we get to be God to them. And God doesn't, God's not rushing us through our pain and suffering. Like I never... When I sit before God, I can't remember a time in my life where I felt like God has been like, could you get over this already? Hmm. I think in some ways, one of the most healing gifts we can bring, and it's awkward and uncomfortable and hard to do it because we don't do it with ourselves, is to say, tell me more. And I'm so sorry. And it sounds like this is terribly hard. And I'm just, I just want to be there for you and not give answers and not even, and I'm not saying don't share scripture because I definitely think that there is the right time for that. Yeah. But we all know that feeling we have when someone else is weak where we're like, quickly give them the right answer because I hate that they're feeling this way. And maybe if they don't feel that anymore. Right. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. It reminds me, we have this children's book, um, man, the rabbit who listened or something. And it was about this little boy who builds, I don't know if you read it, builds this like block castle and it gets torn down and he's so sad. And so he has all these different animal friends come to encourage him, quote unquote. And um, like one's like, let's get angry about it. And one's like, let's build another, let's fix it and all these things. And then the rabbit comes and he just listens and he cries with him and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then finally, when he's all done, he's like, can I help you rebuild it? And I just, I love that book because I'm like, oh, that's what Jesus does with us. And that's what, that's the friend I want to be. And that's the friend I need is someone. And I'm, I feel like Jeff, I'm constantly telling him when I'm in that a discouraged state. Like, I just kind of need you to listen right now or I need it. Like I have to, and it's hard for me sometimes to know what I need, but sometimes I'm like, can you just hug me? Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear a quick plan. I don't want you to rush me along. Like I'm some business email. Like I just need you to <laughs> kind right. of like, <laughs> right. and I mean, literally Nate hears me say probably at least once a week, sometimes more like friend, not coach, 
friend that coach. Yes. Please don't coach me right now. I don't need a coach. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, right. <laughs> I know, I'm like, babe, I don't need a sermon right now. Like I'm not one of the, I'm not someone you're preaching to. Like I just need you to come alongside me. <laughs> just hold me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, Sarah, this is so good. Thank you. Oh, I wanted to ask Kate one more question before we end because I know that you do this a lot on your Instagram and um, the whole idea of adoring Jesus. And you come throughout your day. I've You come on Instagram and you do this sometimes with people and you just open up a scripture and you pray that scripture mm-hmm. as you're talking about your feelings and what you're going through. Can you, for someone who maybe hasn't seen it or isn't familiar with that, because that's kind of what you were talking about of like point out the Psalms and um, saying like, oh Lord, that moment with my child today was like really awful. Can you just maybe lead us through um, real quick? Like, how do we do that? How do we just in our everyday moment when this turned upside down, (laughs) or maybe it's just the mundane of like, oh, I just don't really want to be here right now. It feels like the same old, same old. How do we just sit and talk scripture out with Jesus? Yeah, I, I would say pick a moment that you don't want to. Because I think the times that we least want to talk to God are actually the greatest opportunities. I mean, I I like today, even before this, before we got on here and I might drive over, like hairy day with two of my little kids. And all I want to do is zone out because I'm so fried. And then, okay, no, this is actually the moment to talk to him. So I would say pick a time when you don't want to, because typically you don't want to because you don't, you feel so weak. We just are not comfortable with bringing weakness to God. So I would say, pick a time you don't want to be willing to bring your raw emotions. That's what the psalmists do. Like if we want to, we, we kind of constantly clean ourselves up for God. You read the Psalms. There's no cleaning up. Those people are a hot, those psalmists are a hot mess and they're talking right there. So I would say bring your big emotions. You can bring your anger. You can bring your questions of God you can bring your fears. Sometimes that takes time because we've kind of coached ourselves out of actually bringing big emotions to God. Mm. It takes time to just sit and go, it's okay for me to just be mad at you, God, because why did you give me such a crazy life? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so bring your big emotions and open the Psalms. I mean, that's a great place to start. Psalm 18, Psalm 23. I mean, uh, Psalm 119, there's a lot in there. I mean, pretty much any Psalm you open to, you're going to have this exchange of I'm a mess and here's who you are. And that's adoration is I just go back and forth from here's what I feel to here's who you are. I'm not telling my heart mm-hmm. feeling. I'm actually letting my heart feel mm-hmm. and I'm letting it feel in front of a God who isn't afraid of my biggest fears, my decades old anger, my distance from him. And I let the Psalms tell my heart who he really is. And I'm not trying to coach myself into a different place. I'm actually just trying to have that connection where my big emotions don't feel like they have to be pushed down in order for me to be a good Christian. In actuality, my big emotions have a place with God. Mm. And the Psalms do that. And so I just go from, here's what I feel, but here's who you are. And I read what who you are. It, your word says, you are my shepherd and God, I don't feel like you're my shepherd. I feel like you threw me out in the ocean to swim by myself. I mean, sometimes that's what my adoration looks like. I feel like I'm drowning and you're not helping me. But your word says I shall not be in want. I'm in want. <laughs> but I just think the more that we do 
do that, the more we, I mean, this is like parenting teenagers. Anybody who's listening who's parenting teenagers knows the ticket to parenting teenagers is being a safe place for your kids' big emotions. Mm-hmm. And the more that they bring their big emotions to you, the more that they feel connected to you, the more that you have their heart, the more that they grow. It's the same with us and God. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, isn't that the most beautiful thing that you've ever heard? And I I feel like so many people need to hear that today because even if, maybe even especially if you've grown up in the church, that somewhere along the line, a lot of times that gets muddled and that gets confused. And it's like, no, I need to be a certain way. My emotions aren't safe with God. I need to figure it out. I need to, and I'm like, that's the beauty of the gospel. Like that's, he knows that we're, we are weak and sinners and sufferers and we need him. And he is the safest place to share our big emotions. And he meets us there. And I feel like that is, that's life transforming. Like that's going to change your every day and your heart. Um, Man, so good. Thank you so much for being on today. Hey, for listeners who want to follow along with you, what you're doing with your family, um, books that you have out, where can they follow you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Sarah, without an H, Hagerty writes, Sarah Hagerty writes. And then I also, my website is sarahagerty.net. And I write, I have a kind of private group that I write to, um, I think it's substack.sarahagerty.com, maybe. But you can find it on my website, too, that I write a couple times a week to that private group. Okay. And Instagram. Um, and then you three books, and you're going to start your oh, fourth yeah. this fall? I have, I have a book called a, uh, Every Bitter Thing is Sweet. That's the one you talked about. I have a book called Unseen, which actually is a lot of what we talked about here. The yeah, subtitle yeah. tells the, the story of the book. It's The Gift of Being Hidden in a World that Loves to be Noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had two awesome people write the foreword for that book. <laughs> I have a book that's called Adore, which actually is just really the blueprint for what I just talked about. How do you talk to God when you're afraid, when you're mad, when you don't want to talk to him, when you're dry? Like that's what Adore is, is essentially the, it's a lot of stories about how I have met with God in a big mess of my life and my day and my motherhood and my marriage, all of that. Yeah. And all three books, guys, I couldn't recommend more. You're going to want all of them. So um, they're all so good. Sarah, thank you so much for being on today. Hey guys, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. This episode was so good. Each one of these series is just gold. I love what everyone brings to the table, what they share. I was so encouraged by them and I hope you are too. Satisfied is out. I cannot believe it. It is so fun seeing you guys post about it and talk about it. If you guys have a copy, take pictures, tag me in it. Tell me what you love about it. It is just such a joy to have it finally out in the wild for you guys to read. If you haven't ordered the book yet, make sure you go anywhere books are sold, satisfiedbook.com. If you make any of the recipes, tag me, make a pie. I want to see what you're making. Thank you for coming along this journey with me.